Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the Yana podcast in our series on fearlessness. This series is filled with powerful women who face fears and lead with courage in their personal and professional lives. Today's guest is a woman who has learned to use her fear as a powerful force to become the best version of herself. Nicole Taylor is an international professional development trainer, curriculum developer, speaker, and author who has been privileged to travel the world to pour her learning into others. It is her firm belief that anyone can succeed with tailored support. Nicole works to assist educators in being their best for the students and the teachers they serve each day. Nicole is working on a project called One and Only, Reflective Stories Regarding Education, Race, and Bringing Her Own Seat to the Table. My conversation with Nicole both pushed and inspired me. I cannot emphasize enough how much I respect Nicole and the intelligence, thoughtfulness, and bravery she brought to the podcast. I am honored Nicole would share her knowledge and passion with us, and I cannot wait for you to learn alongside her as I did in this brave and bold conversation. I am deeply honored to amplify for you Nicole Taylor's fearlessness story. Welcome, Nicole Taylor, to the In Awe podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today and share you with my In Awe community because I just know we were meant to have this insightful, depth-filled conversation right now. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, Nicole, I, um, I'm i so glad that we got connected. Nicole and I have been in a, a group for women in leadership and education for approximately a year or so. And I'm just thrilled to be able to share a piece of her with the community today. So Nicole, could you just give a little bit of your current context for our listeners who may not know about you? Sure. Um, my name is Nicole Taylor. Um, that's with the K. So that first K is silent. I always have to leave with that. Um, I'm an instructional technology coordinator um, in the Dallas Texas area. And um, I'm just super passionate about, you know, uh, empowering others to just bring their A-game and be the best um, version of themselves. Um, I love to learn. And so um, I just get a thrill from learning and then using that, um, the things that I learn, the tools I acquire to just help others be better. Clearly, we could feature you on a wide range of series for this podcast, but here we have you situated right in the series about fearlessness and this idea of maybe having fears and leading through it anyway, and that courage that it takes. And I'm so excited for you to be able to share about that. So could you just share a little bit about your journey in regard to how you may have, you know, overcome some of your own fears? Because obviously you've got a high level role and you also are, you know, an international speaker and you share your messages. Maybe just give us some tips about like a little bit of insight into that and maybe how you've overcome some of your own personal fears. I think one of the things I've learned is to just lean into fear. Um, you know, there's a healthy dose of fear that comes with doing um, anything new um, or even a healthy dose of fear with putting you know, a little pressure on yourself to do things well. So I've just kind of learned um, over the years to lean into the fear and to find tools to help me navigate the fear. So it may be picking up a book. It may be jumping on Voxer to have a conversation with someone else who's more experienced who can help me to overcome this fear. It might be simply sitting down to plan out steps to make sure that I feel a little bit more confident when it comes to tackling tasks. But I just really think 
think, you know, thinking about myself now, as I'm looking at 40, I see it down there at the corner looking at me um, and thinking about where I was like 20, 20 years ago, you know, where fear would make me clam up and maybe run from some situations. I just think that um, more mature, having a few more experiences under my belt, I've just learned that there's a healthy dose of fear that comes with tackling any new situation or just moving to the next level. I love that idea of a healthy dose of fear to kind of spur us into action and how you've been able to harness that. And I love how you say you're looking down at the corner of 40. That's wonderful. Um, It's a great place to embrace, right? It is. It is. So I'm just thinking about kind of your journey and and what I shared about you in your bio. You are a a tech director, correct, at the the school district that you're at? I'm a tech coordinator. So I work with um, all of our campuses and administrators with technology integration. So it's fun because I know that our contexts are so different. So like up here in the the northern part of the state of Wisconsin, where I am, we have uh, tiny schools. So I've served in schools that have 300 kids in the district K-12 and maybe the largest being like 1,200 kids. So what is the context of the school that you're coordinating in? So we have nine campuses that are spanned over several counties. Um, We're not located in one city. Um, We're located in several cities in several counties. And we have about combined, I would say about 400, 450 teachers. And I would say about 7,000 students. Right. I kind of figured it was that uh, story. So what I'm curious about is in this world of being a female, I've had a few guests on the show who have been, you know, tech directors or tech consultants and coordinators and all that. And they kind of share about maybe being um, uh, one of few women in that role. Have you found that in your own experience? And are there any things that you've done to just kind of push through and enjoy sharing your passion? Actually, yeah, the tech space is predominantly men and um, predominantly white men at that. So um, when you talk about like being the only in a space, like I feel like I can check two of those boxes. So I just think one of my um, strengths is I'm a people person. Like um, I have a good friend that says, girl, you could talk to a tree. And um, I just, if I'm in a situation, you know, kind of that's one of those things where I lean into that fear um, or I'm walking into a conference or walking into a meeting where I know I'm going to have to speak or present or ask questions. Um, one of the ways that I've leaned into the fear is I sit down next to people I don't know and I introduce myself and I look for um, commonalities and I build friendships and or, you know, just network. And um, I push myself to do that, to, to kind of ease some of the discomfort that it comes with, because you walk into those rooms and most of the time, especially in the tech space, like it's it's men. I love that image of you you know, pulling up a chair and making that space for yourself. And it sounds to me like it's a great playing ground for you to practice a way that you're going to start leading um, in a project. So do you want to share a little bit about that one and only project, how it got started and a little bit about it? Yes. So one and only, I feel like it's, um, this is hard work. It's something that I'm very passionate about um, just because it feel like it's a journey through my own um, life as a student. Um, coming from a small town, I can just look back and have many, many stories where I, I was the one and only. And kind of as we discussed um, earlier, sometimes that, that being the one and only, before I had the tools to really uh, embrace fear, it would cause me to, to, to not embrace certain situations. Um, but there was a couple months ago, I actually attended a training. And um, as this training, the 
campus was beautiful. The people there were great, but, you know, I walked into a room and um, I was the only um, black woman in the room, which I mean, you know, I've had that before. So of course I pull up a seat um, next to some people that I didn't know, um, started a conversation with them, met them. And at the end of the training, um, school was out. So the kids were gone, but I kind of lingered because I just love the opportunity to, to meet new people and, and meet kids. And so um, the campus was beautiful. We were upstairs and there was a glass wall that allowed you to look inside the gym. So it was a little further than my steps. I was at the stairs. I was getting ready to go, go down, but I did notice um, two girls were standing at the glass and they were looking down. And then there was a, a black boy, um, a tall, slender boy. And he reminded me of my own son because I have a 15-year-old son. And so he kind of caught my eye and I looked at him and um, just said, hello. He was walking towards the glass and I was actually going to just walk downstairs. But I overheard um, as he was walking and he was walking towards the glass, I can vividly remember looking at him as he was walking um, towards the glass with his hands in his pockets. The two um, girls who happened to be just two, two younger um, teenage um, um, white girls, um, they were say, they they looked at him and they told him they said, "Hey, do not come any further. Um, we don't feel comfortable. You're you're making us feel uncomfortable." And so he immediately stopped walking and he said, "Why would you be afraid? Like I go to school here with you. Um, my hands are in my pocket. Why would you be afraid?" So of course, then my um, mama and Tina stood straight up and I waited on him um, because I wanted to have a conversation with him. And so uh, he did not go look in the gym um, through the glass wall. Mind you, at his campus, he was not a visitor. He attends that school. So um, he, at that moment, stopped walking and um, started to head down the stairs with me. And so I checked on him and I wanted to know, are you okay? Um, I overheard the conversation. Um, how are you feeling? Do you feel safe? And so we had that conversation in um, usual Nicole fashion. Um, I pulled him in and we started talking and I just kind of started sharing my own experiences with him um, b- growing up in a small town and being oftentimes being the only black person in a lot of my campuses on a lot of my um, campuses and in my courses and in my classes or at social events and the feelings that I had and that allowed him to open up with about his experiences and the things that he was feeling and facing um, at this campus that wasn't you know, very, very diverse. Um, uh, we talked about his support system out, outside of school. So, of course, um, that story, I just thought, and that that training was probably like an hour away from my house. And I just thought about it the whole way home, the conversation with the young man and um, just connecting it with my own um, stories and, and things that, you know, happened and um, that it helped me grow. And so, um, of course, I took the conversation to Twitter because that's where uh, over 5,000 of my closest friends are. Just, <laughs> and just you know, put it on there as a thread, just recounting the story and um, what he said and what I said and how I was feeling. And um, that that was very therapeutic just to get through that incident. But what happened after that um, is what surprised me. Just so many people that because, you know, you put things out there, you don't not necessarily for people to respond to you. Sometimes I just use um, Twitter as a place to just, you know, put a micro blog and just throw my ideas out there. But I got so many responses from um, DMs to some text messages to people even replying on the thread about how even as adults, 
these uh, moments and these stories from their childhood linger and um, really impact the decisions that they make as adults and how they work to overcome and how they support other students. So um, after I'm engaging in that conversation for a number of days, a friend of, I was talking to a friend of mine and she goes, you know, these stories need to be collected. These stories need to be shared because, you know, these experiences of walking in a room and being the only, you know, we all have times where we walk in and it's like, oh, oh, I'm the only girl here. But there are certain groups of people who walk into spaces and they're always the only. Like when they're able to um, walk into a room and connect with someone um, immediately who is like them, like that's a rarity. So I do believe that there are a group of people who, um, you know, we're always the one and only. Like we just know that we're that that's going to be and we've learned how to um, adapt to that. But if you've never been in, in that group of people and you don't understand how that feels, um, I'm hoping that by sharing these stories, it will allow you to see exactly how that feels. So that if you are not in the group, that's always the only, perhaps you're in a space, um, a classroom, a campus, a district, a social setting, um, a church event, and you look around the room and you see, oh my goodness, this, this group is not very diverse, but we're so glad that this person is here, that you really work hard to create spaces where those people who are the only, where they feel included and they feel valued and they feel wanted in that space. It's really good instruction for all of us, myself included, and my listeners to hear what you just said, which is you're collecting stories of individuals who experience this frequently. Like we all have this universal experience at some point where we've been the only. That is, it's very powerful and we can attach to the own, you know, our own scheme on our mind about what that feels like, right? And because we've been there. But then to add on that layer to say that, you know, can you imagine your existence that that's just pretty much all the time. Right. (laughs) And so you're sharing those stories to create this collective community to kind of rise up to help one another through that. And I just value it. But there's that other layer too about, hey, if you're in a room and you're noticing, just be more aware and see the, the people who are the only and help them to feel welcome and embraced is a really powerful message for us all, truly. Right. And it's nothing um, I want to add in, like it's, you don't have to be weird about it. You know, you don't have to, you know, <laughs> because I think sometimes people don't know how to navigate those things. Um, you don't have to say, hey, I noticed you're, I mean, simply ensuring that they feel part of the community, bringing them, pulling them into conversations and just saying, hey, how are you? I noticed that you're new here. Where are you from? It's just like, it it sounds like, you know, common sense, but, you know, when we're in a space, when we're um, in a space that we're familiar with, we gravitate to people that we know, Um, but making sure that we extend um, a, a, you know, welcoming arm to people who are n- not necessarily in those spaces as often as we are. Yeah, that that's really with it's really wise advice on that too. So I have a, a question for this one and only project. What are you going to do with the stories that you collect? So I have a link that I'll be sharing for individuals to connect with this. But what is it? What's going to be the end product of of individuals turning in their stories to this? So um, the end product is we're going to take all of these stories and we're going to put them in a book. Um, and so the book will not be to make any money. Um, it's actually a project um, in conjunction with the EduMatch um, publishing um, community. Um, it's simply, uh, like I said, it's, it's hard work and it's simply to put the stories together um, in one place so that people can read through them. And um, I'm hoping it will be a great conversation starter. And we know um, from conversations, you know, people will be able to reflect on their own practices and really um, 
change them and impact the communities where they live. Love that. It's kind of this altruistic uh, grassroots effort. And I applaud you for that. And so grateful that my community gets to hear about it. And I can't wait to support that myself. Thank you. Just been really um, in a lot of good conversation and discourse lately um, about this topic in general, just this idea that has so much complexity, by the way, because here we're talking about gender and we're talking about race in the conversation that you've that you've had, had already. But I'm just um, in the kind of like the state that we're in right now in the United States in regard to these conversations needing to be at the forefront more, I think, than probably ever. I don't know if you agree with that. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you find yourself engaging more in this passion discussion or, or am I off on that? You know, that's a great question. Um, I find myself wanting to be engaged more. But I think um, in our current current climate, there are a lot of people who are afraid to have these conversations or not necessarily open to have these conversations. So I find myself navigating that space um, as well. I mean, as a Black woman, I mean, I can't not have conversations that involve race because it's who I am. Being Black is a, you know, it's a badge of, it's a badge of honor, but with it also comes certain um, things that I have to navigate. I navigate the world differently because of it um, as well. I also find that it gives me, um, I mean, you know, as I shared, I'm an earlier, I'm an avid learner. I just love to learn. And so with these conversations being in the forefront, I cannot center myself as an expert in this area as well um, at all. But um, it just gives me so much more to dig into and to learn. Um, and, and it allows me to really to really make a lot of connections with people who are more knowledgeable about how to um, navigate this area um, as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm constantly learning and sharing and learning and sharing and and um not only as I'm learning, you know, examining my own biases and how they um, come to play with my um, day-to-day interactions with others. I so love that you ended with that because I want to peel apart that thread a little bit because when you position yourself as a learner, I think that's, that's true wisdom, you know, that we all come to the table with our own life experiences coupled with the knowledge that we gain in our study, but it's all highly contextualized too. Like you're, what you're experiencing from your vantage point in the world where you are now is different than what I'm experiencing. And yes. sometimes it's hard for us to be smart about that and be willing to learn and see it. Yes. So would you be willing to unpack just maybe some of the, some of the biases that you've uncovered in your own thinking? Are you willing to do that for us today? Oh, wow, girl, you're going deep fast. Yeah, I'm definitely... I can't help it. <laughs> no, I'm definitely open. Um, and I, I can't talk about my own work without um, giving a shout out to a few communities who've pushed me to do this work. Um, Educolor is a beautiful community of educators who are really committed to um to this work and in changing the narrative of education for black and brown students. Um, and so through this community, um, another um, community was born, which is um, Clear the Air. And so just through these two communities, I've been exposed to so much literature and so much history that I didn't even know. Um, and that's one thing that I just had this conversation with a colleague yesterday um, around biases. And we were talking about um, cultural biases and we were talking about race, um, that there's so much that even um, 
as a black woman that I did not know about my own history because it's not something that we learn in school, right? Um, it's a little different. We have we we get uh, one whole Black History Month out of the out of the year, and um, that curriculum we could actually have another podcast off of that. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> yes, if we, we wanted to, right? So um, I would say the the biggest thing that I have had to lean in and learn that has really changed me as a uh, a black female professional have been the um, biases around myself, um, myself and how I should navigate the world as a woman, um, just pertaining to um, being able to be free with my natural hair, um, being able to um, navigate meeting spaces um, and speaking in in a way that feels comfortable for me versus speaking in a way that makes other people in the room um, be comfortable. Um, so I would say when it comes to this work also, like it cannot be done unless you're first willing and open to do self-work. And I think that that's the hardest work. And what I see oftentimes is when people spark these conversations and, um, you know, equity and inclusion, those are, are really hot topics, which they should be right now um, in the education space. But as I see people um open these conversations where it comes to a screeching halt for me is if they're not willing to talk about their own learning and how they've had to um, unmask, uncover, and destroy some of their own biases. But I've noticed that that that's a step that a lot of people try to jump over and um, really center themselves as um, equity experts. Um, but you just can't without looking deeply at your own biases and um, working on self first. And I just think this is a process that I'll be doing forever, figuring out, you know, what's wrong, figuring out why it's wrong. And then I'm um, just, just getting better. I, I think it's, you know, it's a marathon. It, it's not a, it's not a race. It's definitely not a sprint. Um, but the more I learn about myself, uncover my own biases and, and just get better, the you know, the better I am to the people that I serve. You know, I'm a better mother. I'm a better wife. I'm a better um, coordinator. Um, just as I am um, working to improve myself. You're speaking the language of my heart um, 1,000 times, Nicole, and it really applies. Oh, it's well, great because it really applies to to every facet of our lives to become more self-aware and become more self-actualized, mm-hmm. really. And honestly, I love so much that you share about having to really overcome the battle of the barrier to your learning because, and I also think that these conversations mm-hmm. around um, the hot button issues, the challenging things we want to talk about race and differences. Um, and I've, I've recently heard a really wonderful uh, radio is the NPR radio. Dwight Carter actually shared it in this conversation around race. And I'll just say it focusing on the, why white people don't want to have the conversations about race. And it's not always out of a space of ugliness. It really, I do believe is a root of fear. Like we don't want to say the wrong things. We don't want to um, hurt other people's feelings. And, and sometimes, yes, it's ourselves because we haven't done the work, but we just don't know what we don't know. And so it's just a lot easier not to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's odd because there's so many other things that we don't know, but we seek to understand and we seek to know. But when it comes to issues of race, I feel like that's often, um, an excuse that is used is that, Hey, I don't know. So I'll leave it alone. When God, you need to definitely be doing the opposite. I don't know. Like, and even starting with, I don't know why it's so hard for me to have this conversation. Like that's, that's a great 
Um, that is such a great starting point to just look at why do I shy away from conversations dealing with race? You know, what is it that makes it scary for me to talk race? And just digging into that, that's a great starting point. Wonderful. Well, for listeners, I don't think that Nicole or I plan to get that deep, but I'm so grateful that we did. And thank you for coming with me (laughs) on that conversation. And we could probably unpack it a lot longer than we have, but I just appreciate so much that you would enter this space. I I found my own self just, I think, especially as you reference the climate right now around this topic is it's heart breaking for me. And I don't have the answers. I just crave to mm-hmm. connect mm-hmm. with with hearts, um, with like-minded, with you know people that are not like-minded. But just I'm still struggling myself, just seeing all of mm-hmm. the negativity and nastiness around me, and not really hurting, you know, for the future of my children, and thinking about their own the world that mm-hmm. they're seeing, mm-hmm. and and just really wanting to do better by them, and have these conversations, and do it right. And I know that I stumble. <laughs> stumble all the time, but I'd much rather enter into them than not. And I don't want to just bat it away. Like it's not a, my problem. I'm up here in the Northwestern part of the state. And I mean, it's issues everywhere, every single where we are yep. and heart work. That's perfect. I love how you said it's heart work. Mm-hmm. It is. All right. So Nicole, um, I always ask two standard questions on this podcast and I would love to get to two of your answers. So the first one is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what is it that you would say? Well, if I could write a letter to a younger Nicole, um, I would just tell her, girl, you are going to be okay. (laughs) You will be all right. Um, I just remember, you know, younger thinking, oh my gosh, like who are my people? You know, where do I fit in? Um, Being, um, I was a a younger um, student just in high school, um, looking around and being oftentimes, sometimes the only girl in certain settings or the only um, black person in the room, especially with uh, upper level courses. I would tell myself your time is coming. Um, Keep learning, keep nerding out, keep digging into um, who you are, Um, love yourself fully and wholly because it's no one else's job to do so. Just to continue to love yourself and, and that you're not going to be fulfilled by work or, or projects, but I can align um, your daily actions with your personal love and your mission. And that's how you'll be fulfilled. Such wise words. And I just love my heart is kind of pounding with how it's weaving like your, your history and your uh, present and your future in terms of your impact with this project that you're doing, how you can use all of that pain maybe or challenge or trial. And also the things that you embrace about, you know, being the only, there's some beauty to that too, that you can then re-gift it and have such an impact. So that's just incredible. Thank you. I think that's just, that's the, that's the learning game, right? Like, when we go through things and we learn, it's not for you. Like you can't be selfish with your mistakes and your, in your pains. Um, someone else needs to learn uh, and hear about what you went through so that when they come to that, it's easier for them. That, that's, that's just my take on, um, on life. Like when you go through things like it's, it, it hurts at that time, but goodness, how can you turn that over so that, someone else can can learn from it and, and they'll be better because of it. I'm just beaming over here to keep those failures to yourself. That is selfish. You need to share it with the world. So that's awesome. What a great message. Mm-hmm, it is. So how about that? When, when I consider my listeners and we're in this uh, series on 
on fear, really. So if I were, if you were to envision any of my listeners who are right now finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, and they need to hear your words to help them rise up out of it, what do you think you could say to them? Well, my first thing is going to be lean into the fear. Do not, do not run from fear um, because it is healthy. Gather yourself, um, make a list. What are you exactly afraid of? Because, you know, fear has a way of like gripping you and just holding you tight, squeezing you tightly. But what exactly are you afraid of? Because if you really sit down and, and break that down, is it because you don't feel as if you know enough? Well, if you don't feel like you know enough, take the time to, to learn. I mean, that we're living in the information age. I mean, you can hop on Twitter and post a question or, or Google or take a course or read a book. There are so many free ways to, to gain more knowledge, but definitely don't run from the fear. And um, I think the, the moments where I've been most af- afraid um, and I've been able to just lean into it, um, I've seen those be pivotal moments um, in my in my life, whether it was um, in my marriage or as a mom um, or even in my career, because it really was just the fear of the unknown. So um, I also weigh like, so what happens if I'm successful? Well, if I'm successful, this is what happens. Um, and you know that saying, you know, it's on a t-shirt, you know, but did you die though? So I always <laughs> say, well, what, what happens if I'm not successful? Like I'm not going to die. You know, I'm, what, what's going to happen is I'm just going to have another moment where I've failed and I'm going to be able to take that moment of failure and I'm going to, I'm going to learn from it. So do not run from the fear. Just see what you're afraid of. And then, um, find yourself making an action plan to overcome those fears. Such great empowering words from you today, Nicole. I just, I love the passion that you have clearly is an area that you are inspiring others. And my listeners are so fortunate to have you speaking those words into them. And you've also already referenced a few different resources that I'm going to be sure to link up, but um, in getting to the inspiring recommendations, is there anybody that you feel that my listeners would benefit from connecting with on social media? Well, I would definitely say connect with Val Brown. Um, Val has been, built this beautiful community. Um, you can look at hashtag clear the air. And um, it's such a beautiful community that um, it really embodies everything that I believe in. Um, love, acceptance, um, learning, sharing, um, connecting. Um, she's really building a movement that um, to dismantle systems of injustice um, in our schools and in our communities. And I love it because it's, it's just happening one conversation at a time, one book read at a time, um, one chapter study at a time, um, where it, sa- it sounds and it feels small, but there are big changes um, being made from this community that she's that she's built. Awesome. And she's been recommended before on this podcast. So that's if you haven't checked her out yet, it's time to do that. And how about a book or a resource that, that the listeners would engage with? One of my favorite books that I've read over the last year, I actually read it with with Clear the Air. And I've just been chewing on this book. Um, it was Troublemakers. Um, it's one of the books that really pushed me to be, I feel like when I read books, I'm either reflecting personally or I'm reflecting um, professionally, but it really pushed me to to reflect um, personally and professionally, just looking at um, who gets labeled what, like who's praised and why are we praising them? Um, Who's not praised and why are we not um, praising them? And then how can we, you know, take the spaces that we occupy and uh, make them places that are, um, that are openly accepting and places that we learn from others and celebrate um, our unique 
differences. So that's one book that I have returned to time and time again over the last year. Awesome. Well, thank you for that recommendation. How about, uh, are there any podcasts that you listen to that we could we could listen to? It's called Rants and Randomness by um, Lovey Ajay. And um, it's, it's a lot, there are lots of um, practical things that I, first of all, she's hilarious and I laugh um, so much, but she talks about, you know, things that I that I love, um, beauty and fashion and it's practical lessons. Um, also, um, being an um, activist and really making changes in our community. Um, it's it's a, a podcast that is really focused on celebrating black and brown women. It's just an entire community of, of celebration and empowerment. So I, that's my favorite. I actually just let, I let the episodes build up so that if I'm in the car for like an hour or so, I can just listen to a whole bunch of them back to back. It's my all-time favorite podcast. That's awesome. I hadn't actually heard of that one. So I'll be sure to listen to uh, myself and subscribe. Thank you for that. Of course. Okay, Nicole. So you are a connected lady. You have, you are well connected in this world, but I'm wondering if you would share the best way for my listeners to engage with you. Yeah, should they, which they are going to want to after this interview. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I basically live there um, at Nicole and that's K-N-I-K-O-L-E. Um, you can also find me on my um, website um, where you can send um, me a, a message directly if you're not on Twitter. And I'm at Nicole Taylor. That's K-N-I-K-O-L-E. Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Awesome. And I will be sure to link that as always for listeners so that you can catch up with Nicole and all the great work that she's doing in this world. Check out her one and only project. I am so grateful, Nicole, that you would take the time to have this awe-inspiring conversation with me to help teach me, to help my listeners gain from your knowledge. And I'm so, so grateful that you battle back with courage, all of that fear all the time to make an impact. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for the opportunity. This was so much fun. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.